people, we are live. Welcome to the Fair One Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining us. We will be discussing this weekend's this weekend's card. But first, the intro. Intro made famous in 143 countries by YouTube via the Fair One Podcast. Thank you, people, for joining me. I'm I'm actually pretty pumped for this card. I hear a lot of people saying that they're not that excited for the card and they're not well the card in itself i'm going to tell you the truth i'm not really that excited for but they're the two the main and the co-main i am um and again i've heard people say that they're not um excited for the fight which i understand it's cool but um what i want to see with this fight and you guys can tell me what you think is where does um sean strickland sit in this middleweight division i think he's got a pretty high ceiling i don't know i don't know that he gets past um Uriah Hall, he might. Um, I think Uriah Hall has definitely got the advantage, I think, as far as speed and whatnot. But Sean's ugly, man. He makes the fights ugly. He's got really good timing and understanding of, of um, how to use that jab and how to use that one-two down the middle. And he's not scared to get hit, which is a big one with Uriah Hall. Um, can go against you as well. But um, Uriah Hall's so quick, and he's so quick in that like small circle to spin. But he's not as quick with that moving backwards and forwards boxing kind of thing. He's not. Okay, I um, we prepared for Uriah Hall with Rob, and one of the things that um, that we prepared for, and again, you can prepare for all of this, dude. You can prepare for all of it, and you get knocked the fuck out. It happens, you know. But one of the things we prepared for was Uriah Hall had uh, had to spin, right? He he loves to spin, um, and he has to get that timing in. So when Rob would blitz in, if you watch this fight again. When Rob would blitz in, he'd chop the leg so that as Uriah Hall would start to put the weight on him on that leg to spin, Rob would cut that distance and and chop the leg. So that was one of the the, the things that we game planned with with Uriah Hall was getting fainting, Rob to faint. But again, you have to have Rob's ability to do it. You can't. Sean is not Rob. He's not that kind of fighter. He's a different kind of fighter. So the game plan would have to be different. That's another thing with game plans. People go, why don't you just do this or do that. You have to go with what you have. Rob's ability to blitz is very good to go from point A to point B. Now, could Uriah Hall catch him on the way in? Fuck yeah, dude. That's a game you're playing. Um, So he was fainting, come in and kick that leg. So he'd start to chop away at that leg of, um, of Uriah Hall. So start to take away some of that movement and also be scoring. And when he'd push him up against the cage, I don't know now, Uriah Hall may have fixed this, but before Uriah Hall would turn and he'd put his chest on the cage, and what that would do is make his base uh, wider. So when the base is wider, it's harder to take him down, and then people get tired trying to take him down, and then Uriah Hall is able to pick you off. So that's why the foot stomps came in. We just said, no, no, you know what, Rob? Hold hold, um, hold him there against the, the cage and land the foot stomps, land the knees to the calves, land the knees to the to the legs and this is the other thing where people go you should you shouldn't get scored for that you know what happens is like i said in the other in the other posts in the other whatever you call them the other podcasts what that does is takes away the amount of time that uriah hall gets to fight in in where he's dangerous which is in the middle of the octagon and so then when they break off uriah hall would would have to come out of his game a little bit open himself up and make himself susceptible to takedowns or to um or to getting hit you know in in those small exchange exchanges 
And then Rob would push him up against the cage. And that was the game plan. And in that particular day, it worked well. It worked perfectly. They could fight again, exactly same things, and it doesn't work out the same way. That, that's the fight game. That's what people don't get. You can have the best game plan in the world, the best, and you get hit and your fucking head smashed, and that's it. That's a game over. You know what I mean? So that's um, that's life. That's a game. Uh, we are live, says, but I want to hear your guys' opinion. Talk about the fights. Talk about the co-main event, which I'm also pretty pumped for, which is Yanni versus um, Kang. Um, I'm a big fan of Yan of um, uh, Honey, but I think Kang's going to do it. Um, we are live, says, good evening, oh, wise one. It's good to be back. Thank you, sir. Thank you for joining us. We are live, says, once again, I am the pound for pound number one. Yes, you are. Mixed partial fights says, Fab, what it do, baby, baby? Um, let's fucking go, mate. Jack Ballman says, hey, Fab, what's something interesting about Jacob Malkoon and his skills you think we all might be missing or not know? I'm super hyped about seeing him fight again, Aussie wrestling. Um, he's a diesel engine. He's an absolute diesel engine. Doesn't get tired. Does not get tired. Um, he's got very good grappling. Um, good boxing. Good boxing. Good timing on his boxing. He's and he's an absolute diesel engine. No one's going to outwork him in the middleweight division for sure. He's very similar, but he's more offensive with his grappling and probably less offensive with his boxing. But he's very similar to Strickland. Very similar. Strickland's probably a little bit more offensively orientated with his boxing, a little bit more aggressive, and Jacob's a little bit more aggressive with his with his uh, grappling coming forward. Um, that'd be a tough fight for both guys. Uh, Strickland and and, and Malkoon. Um, one thing with with uh, and I'm sure everyone can see that with um, Strickland, he's kind of fights like bit bit like a kangaroo. Like he's got his head up a little bit and he takes those jabs, but he lands his jab as well. But he's kind of like like almost like like this. To me, against the kicker with the speed of Uriah Hall, that's a dangerous game to be playing. I can see Uriah Hall baiting him, fainting, or even coming in with some strikes. And as um, Strickland leans back, throwing those those high kicks, um, super dangerous like that. And that's why I think you will see Sean kick in this because he has to pressure him coming forward. But you can't capitulate that distance. So he's going to have to kick to come in. You've got to kick with a kicker. And um, hence why I spoke about the game plan going into Uriah Hall when, when I was working with Rob. Um, Randy says, hi, Fab. Hello, hello, sir. Um, T-Ball Paul says, hey, Fab, do you know what Whitaker walked around at before he died it down for middleweight? Oh, he's about anywhere from 93 to about 97, depending on when in, in the, you know, whereabouts, like in how long he hasn't fought, whatever, but anywhere around there. Uh, Mixed Partial Fad says, hello, Fab, what's up? Why do you, who do you think will win the main event? I don't know. I don't know who will win the main event. That's what I was just, you know, talking about then. I think that's what both guys have to do to win. I think Uriah Hall has to leave it out in the open and he has to not get pressed up against the cage. Um, I don't know how much he's changed that, uh, how he defended the takedowns. Because when he defended the takedowns like that against the cage and we were able to see that that's how he did it, that was one of the things that that um, that we worked on a lot with Rob, say, because we knew that he would spin you know, and then that would allow him to be held up against the cage. Much harder to take down, but he'd be able to be held against the cage for longer periods of time, thus taking away 
from the amount of time he has to work at, in the areas that he's best at. Um, so if Sean can get in there and pressure him and box him up and be dirty and pressure him into the cage, and one of the things that Sean likes to do is just hang on. So he he doesn't necessarily hit these blast doubles or anything. He'll just if he pushes him up against the cage, Sean's going to hold on. He's going to hold hold on. He's going to try and drag him to the floor. Uriah Hall is very hard to take down like that. So Uriah Hall is going to defend that. And Sean's got to hit him, kind of keep him moving backwards, keep him moving into the cage. He can do that enough? I don't know. Um, I don't think Sean's fought five rounds before. Uriah Hall has. You know, he's prepared for five round fights. I don't know that Sean has. I don't think he has. And um, that takes its toll as well. Like you don't don't know what those fourth and fifth rounds are going to look like for you. Even if you're fit, it do, it's it's a different, you know what I mean? Combat sports is different because when you get tired, other people hit you. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what makes it real different with combat sports and any other sport. Even even sports where where um, they don't hit you, like say wrestling, for instance, when you're tired, dudes will throw you around. They'll embarrass you. Whereas other sports, you don't have that physical contact where they're going to just absolutely embarrass you. Maybe rugby league or rugby union have come close to that. If you if you're in the forwards and you you get tired, people are just going to run right over you and they smash you. Um, collision and combat sports are different with their fitness. The fitness, the fitness matters so much more from even from a point of self preservation. Like you think of an ultra fitness sport, like a you know Ironman triathlon, you still don't have someone cycling alongside you jabbing you in the face. It's not happening, you know. So you lose, you might get embarrassed or whatever, but but you're not getting bashed as well. Um, mixed partial fight says, yeah, I agree. Strickland definitely fights with his head back and kind of takes one to land one. Uriah Hall is the wrong guy to take a shot from to give a shot. Who do you think is more likely to implement their game plan and thus more likely pick up the victory for the main event? I don't know, man. To, to bet, I don't know. I think... It's easier, it's easier, my opinion, it's easier to destroy than to create, right? And if you look at these two guys, and this is all, what I'm saying, man, is all bullshit. Like, as in, like, anyone that tells you they know, whatever, is they, they don't know. What I'm saying is all bullshit. It's all speculation. It's not anything like thing. But in my opinion, it's easier to create, it's easier to destroy than to create. So, um, Uriah Hall, if you look at him, like, he's like an artist. He has to create something. You know, he has to um, be, he, 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 has, he needs space to work generally. Or he can hit you out of nowhere too. That's how, that's a problem with your hole. But he needs space to create. And Sean just has to come forward and make it ugly. And as long as he's in boxing range with your hole and he can box and, and exchange, he can do some damage in there as well. As long as he doesn't let Hall have space and time to, to kick. The other thing is they've trained together. See, I've know that I know they've trained together in the past, so they've both got a good idea of each other's timing. Um, I I don't know, I don't I don't know, I really don't know. That's why I'm really interested in this fight because it's such a clash of styles. It's kind of like a bit like a bull and a matador kind of thing. Um. So yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. And Uriah, we are live. I'm not going to read what you wrote, but Uriah tends to run hot and cold a lot of times, you know, for whatever the reason. Um, 
And I, I don't know with that as well. And that's just how people are. But when people go, the reason is, the, the problem is that sometimes what happens is not this crazy thing that you have to delve into, you know, psychology and all this stuff. A lot of the times is the stuff that he throws didn't come off in that fight. And if it had have come off in that fight, everyone, you wouldn't be asking those questions. You get what I mean? So the fights where he runs cold, where, oh, there was something wrong. A lot of the times he just didn't land the stuff that he landed, you know, and the guy got to him before he could get it off or, or they, they realized what he did and they were able to implement that. So I don't know. Sean looks like a guy to me. I'm actually a big fan of his and he's, he's actually one of the few guys whose interviews I listen to, you know, because what he says is like, it's pretty spot on. Like he, he, People overcomplicate it. They, like, I mean, I'm not saying don't game plan, don't all this. That, that's important, you know, and you have to research stuff, and God knows I'm pretty obsessed with it. But people make it out to be so much more than what it is, like, and you're just fighting at the end of the day, and he's, he understands that, and he understands you're not that important, and don't take yourself that seriously, which is something that a lot of guys, I'm not saying Uriah does or doesn't, but I know that a lot of guys don't. A lot of guys take themselves much more serious, think they're much more important than what they are. And it creates a lot, a lot of pressure, you know, on, on, a, on a fighter. Um, he's got a lot of good wins, man. When he beat Tom Brees, back when he beat Tom Brees, I, I didn't, I, I picked against him, you know, I thought, nah, because I, I remember when, when he was coming up, Tom Brees, he was, he was meant to be, and, and he's very, very, very skilled. He's had, a ton of knee problems since. Um, and when you have something wrong with your leg, like there's some, this is coming from me who's, I need a knee replacement. I've needed a knee replacement now for the last three, four years. And I'm only 41, you know? So I don't know what he has wrong with his knees. I don't know exactly. Um, it really takes shit out of you. You know what I mean? It takes your confidence out of you. It takes, you know, a lot of it. So he's the Tom Brees you see today is not the Tom Brees that that Strickland beat. You know what I mean? Like that I didn't think he was going to beat him, and he did. I think it was a split decision win or whatnot. But I was like, fucking wow, you know what I mean? This guy's good. So yeah. Um We Are Live says he looks like a young Michael Bisping. He does, doesn't he? Um We Are Live says, I hope Uriah wins. Yeah, man. Oh, Uriah's good money to bet on too. Don't get me wrong. Mixed partial fight says Strickland, just like Whitaker, is another guy who moved up from 170 and he's seen success at 185. In fairness to both those guys, they saw success at 170. Um, but I think as you get older, you just your bones become denser, you you just become bigger and you get stronger and you your body changes, you get heavier. Um, yeah. Mixed partial fight says Mahashev would destroy Chandler. I don't know. I don't know, dude. Like he, he didn't have it all his way against um, Moises. He didn't have it all his way. You get what I mean? And I don't know that he gets Chandler down like that. And I don't know if they're going to have a, a stand-up fight. Um, Chandler's got sledgehammers, man. I, I, I probably, um, I'd favor Mahashev, but I would pay with both hands to watch that fight because I don't think it's um, a foregone conclusion. That That's a tough fight, man. Chandler's a tough fight for anyone. He's got sledgehammers at the end at the ends of his hands. He's a good wrestler. 
he's trouble on the ground. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Christian Lorenz says, great shirt, Fab. Do you know that Joe Frazier won the heavyweight gold medal in Tokyo 1964? He won via decision. So you insult me. Uh, mixed partial fights says, and Darius. Um, I'm interested to see him fight Darius. Darius's jiu-jitsu is high level. You know, he's won world titles in jiu-jitsu. And be interesting, man. Those fights, they're the fights to me. Again, I'm not comparing, so don't lose your minds. I'm not comparing Mahashev to Sugar Sean. But where I draw the comparison is that... No, I'm not comparing them overall as fighters. Where I draw this comparison is this. When I've seen Mahashev fight, I haven't seen him do, like, perform or do anything that I was like, against Drew Dober, like his performance was wow. But everyone expected him to beat Drew Dober. Everyone expected him to beat Moises. So he's always been far and away the favorite. Like you always expect him to win and you expect him to win in doing so. For me, a come out party for Mahashev is going to be a Chandler, is going to be a Daniel Hooker, is going to be a Dustin Poirier, it's going to be uh, uh, a Charles Oliveira, um, Gregor Gillespie, uh, Brad Riddell. These are guys that I'd like to see him fight. These are guys that I'd be like, all right, um, this is this is interesting, you know, because Brad Riddell, Brad's stand-up is a lot better. On the ground, Mahashev is is a lot better. So I'd be interested in seeing that fight. Um so I guess that's what um that that's what I, I think like with and somebody's asking there about the ceiling. So sorry, Julius Bender's asking, um, what's Mahashev's ceiling in your opinion? I don't I don't know. That's what I'm saying. That's what kind of what my whole point is, you know. I don't know what um until I see him against some of these top level guys. Um Super Skunk says there's levels to this game and Chandler dominates Mahashev in every single aspect of the sport right now. Total mismatch. See, I don't necessarily agree with that one either. Um, but somebody wrote there that that um, Mahashev smashes Chandler. And I don't think so at all. Like, I mean, he might, but he I don't I really don't think so. That's a that's a fight that I'd be really interested to see. Chandler versus Mahashev. That's that's a big one. And yeah. Uh Christian Lorenz says, All compliments, sir. I'm sure a left hook would send Fabia carried out of Australia by a stretcher. Um we are live, says Fab, why are the are there these damn visa issues? Which visa issues? What are we talking about? We Are Live says his ceiling is world champ. It'll be, man, he can definitely be world champion. That's what I'm saying. I'd like to see him fight, you know, one of these guys that, that, I, that I mentioned earlier. Um, uh, James C says, laugh out loud, mismatch, try lining at Islam minus 300. I, I don't see him being that much of a favorite, to be honest with you, over, over Chandler. Um, and I couldn't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to place a bet on that fight, especially with someone like Chandler that carries so much power at lightweight, um, knocked out Dan Hooker, dropped Charles Oliveira. Like, dude, he's, he carries power in that division, you know? So thinking that it's a foregone, and he's got good, good takedown defense. A dangerous, dangerous guy. Um, this weekend's card lost three fights due to visas. I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know whether where where are they from because there are some countries that it's harder to get visas from. And I know in the US, I know when you go into the US, if you have um, charges or you have anything like that, it's really hard to get in sometimes. Um, Super Skunk says Ali Abdelaziz already told his biggest client not to ever sign a fight with Chandler for obvious reasons. Let's leave it at that. Dude, I don't know what was said behind what doors, who said what, and let's just let's just leave it at that. Um, Julius Vander says, based on his performance alone, Mahashev probably wouldn't be rated as highly if it wasn't for the Dagestan law, in my opinion. Interesting. But I will tell you this. Um, if you had reversed those fights, if you had fought Moises first and then fought Drew Dober, you'd be having a different conversation. You know, if he had fought the exact two fights, but because he annihilated Drew Dober in the way that he did, and then he fought Moises, he's the the performance is kind of lackluster. I don't think it was lackluster, but it, you, you have that feeling where you expected him to run through Moises. And he, he had the better of him the whole way through, but still you expected more because you're going off the Drew Dober thing, because you're going off the Dagestan law. If not, if he was just, if I said to you, just watch this guy fight, you'd be like, fuck, that guy's super skilled if I just showed you the Drew Dober fight. So, yeah, I think I think the only way that that's going to get answered is with him fighting um, someone, like I said, up there, like a Gregor Gillespie, uh, uh, Brad Riddell in, in that group, or going up higher up the food chain, fighting a Dan Hooker, fighting a, a Darius, fighting a... a Chandler fighting, I, I think he beats Gaethje, to be honest with you, but fighting a Gaethje, all, all of those will, will give you good, where, where is that? I think when we are live, when he's saying Dagestan law, I think he's talking about the background of all the Dagestan fighters and their history of, of how, how amazing they are as fighters, as combat athletes. Um, Christian Lorenz says, Bam Bam versus, that's how I took it anyways, the Dagestan law, like there definitely is... Um, a massive history and like the amount of gold medalists, the amount of world champions that they have coming out of Dagestan, out of Chechnya, out of the Caucasus in general is, is pretty fucking impressive. You see anyone coming out of that region, you know that, man, there's some tough dudes coming out of that region. Um, Christian Lorenz says, Bam Bam versus Walt Harris got added to UFC 267 on Fight Island. I am impressed and I'm ready to watch that fight. Um, Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena is off the lioness has COVID. Yeah, I heard that today. Somebody mentioned that to me today. I don't know. I'm I'm interested. What do you guys think about this Kane fight? Kane versus um Honey. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh I have Kane winning it. I, I really like the fact that he's got a background in the um Korean national wrestling, like the I'm going to pronounce the name wrong for anyone that's Korean. Syrian, Syrian wrestling. Um, anyone that's Korean, please feel free to write it phonetically on there. That I, I apologize, I, I pronounced it wrong. Um, but I'm, I, I love seeing those guys with those kind of awkward backgrounds in wrestling. Um, Justin Vichegas says, I like turtles. Thank you, sir. Super Skunk says, I don't think Mahashev deserves a fight with Chandler yet. Feed him to Darish or even Dos Anjos would be a good test for the Dagestani. I agree. No, I think that, but, 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 but he's won like eight in a row as well, you know? Um, so I, I don't think he's going to fight Chandler. You know what I mean? So I do think he's going to fight Dos Anjos or maybe Darish. I think Darish is going to be a big 
big step up for him. You know, I, I the guys that are up there and they're winning fights now, and they're in that top six, seven. Tough asks, man. They are tough asks. Um, Christian Ren says, "Is that a good fight for Bam Bam? Given Walt, Walt has fought over him and Volkov, slowly, slowly working his way up to the upper levels." I mean, generally, Walt is going to be someone that's going to. He's not. You know who I think is a bad matchup for for Bam Bam right now? Blades. And Walt Harris is more like Bam Bam than he is Curtis Blades. So I think it's a good matchup for Bam Bam. And I think anyone that outside of a very seasoned striker, but anyone that's like not a seasoned, seasoned striker and wants to um, bang it out with Bam Bam, it's going to be a tough night. It's going to be a hard night for you. Um, I'm not saying that he can't be beat on the feet. Of course, I'm not I'm not saying he's Ernesto Hust or anything before people go wild. But um, I don't see Walt Harris taking that fight like repetitively to the ground and whatnot. It's going to be hard, you know. So I, I, I like that fight for Bam Bam. Um, Colby versus Dustin and 165 pounds. Who wins? I, I don't know because I haven't seen them fight at 165, you know, I'd like to see where they, how they would both go against other people or whatnot at 165, because I think if he goes up, if, if Dustin were to go up at 170, he, he'd still be big, but Colby, that's Colby's weight. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think that, um, Colby would probably, uh, and I don't know how, well, Colby makes that weight and whatnot and blah, 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 the extra five pounds. I don't know. I'd, I'd want to see him first. Um, but I would like to see, um, I think I think it'd be hard because Colby will get that fight to the ground, you know what I mean? And he's got a good gas tank too. So does Dustin. But Colby's very good, man. He's very good. Um, Super Skunk says, is Ala Quinta retired? No idea. No idea. I don't know. Uh, Christian Lorenz says, if Blades gets KO'd by Jairzinho at UFC 265, should he take a significant break for his chin if that happens? Um, I don't know. Again, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'd have to see the knockout. Do you know what I mean? There's different types of knockouts. If he gets knocked out cold, then yeah, you should 100% take a big break. Um, Submission Radio had a 40-minute interview with Colby, and it came up. Um, Dustin at one sixty five. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know who would win that fight, but I think Colby's hard to beat, dude. Colby's very fucking good, and I don't know that that I see it going. Dustin versus Colby, similar to Dustin versus Khabib. I see it going like that. I see Dustin being able to. I don't. I, I see Colby being able to take him down control him, and really just work on him. I really do. Um, Julius says, are people underestimating Colby? What's his best pass, best path to victory against Kamaru? I, I don't I don't know if people are, are underestimating him. I see Kamaru right now being very hard to beat. He's hit a, a kind of momentum flow state in which he knows what he has to do to win. He knows he can win. He's supremely confident at the moment. I think a lot of things have come together. His physicality, his experience, 
his timing, his striking, all of that has come together. So I think that's that's real hard to beat, you know, especially when you throw in a, hell, a whole bunch of confidence um, and the skills that he has. I, I don't know necessarily what his best path to victory is because it wasn't a lot in that fight. You know, I think Kamara was a, a fraction of a step ahead of, of Colby. Um, and I think um, maybe Colby mixing it up a little bit more with the wrestling might be interesting um, and take some of that power away from, from Kamaru as well. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Justin Vijega says, who's your number one fighter in any division the UFC needs to sign but also make a title run? Sorry, I, I don't understand. Who's my number one fighter in any division the UFC needs to sign but also makes a title run? Like someone from the outside? Hmm. I don't I don't know if um I don't know if the if he makes a title run or not. Give me, give me one second because I always get this guy's name wrong. I'll tell you the guy's name exactly in one second. I always say the name wrong. Um but he's the guy that fought um Hamza Kimayev. He fought Hamza Kimayev in um in Sweden, I think it was. No, in Jordan, he fought him in. And the guy's name is Ikram Aliskarov. Ikram Aliskarov. And he's a very, very, very good fighter. Um, again, out of Dagestan. He is a world champion in Sambo. He's World Cup champion in Sambo twice. Um, European champion in Sambo. Very, very good fighter. Um, he's undefeated in MMA other than Hamzat Kimayev, which is no, no, um, Nothing to scoff at. Now, in that fight, if you see that fight, him versus Hamzat, it was it was back and forwards, back and forwards until Hamzat caught him with, I believe, from memory, was an uppercut. Um, he caught him and slept him. I don't know. It might have been an overhand right, but I've got this feeling it was an uppercut. Um, I watched that fight a few times, but it's just I've watched so many fights, they all kind of knock into one. Um, so he'd be the guy that I'd want him to see to see sign up because He's got a really, really good background, man. And when he fought Kimayev, uh, Kimayev couldn't out-wrestle him. And so for sure, for sure, he will out-wrestle a bunch of dudes in the UFC. Kimayev couldn't out-wrestle him, um, couldn't get him down. It was uh, back and forwards in the grappling, very evenly matched. And the striking wasn't, was, they were both kind of a bit unrefined. You know, it wasn't fantastic uh, display of striking, but, uh, Hamzat has sledgehammers in his hands too, you know, and he and Aliskarov may well have as well, but uh, Hamzat connected first, so that's who I think I'd like to see in the UFC. Uh, no, I didn't super skunk see Benil's expressing his opinions on Marxism. Generally, I stay away from the politics on politics and religion. I leave them aside on this podcast. Um, PK says, "What does Colby need to do to get past Usman?" Usman's striking seems better now, and we don't know what Colby can bring without being able to take him down or without KO power. Look, anyone can land a shot on anyone, you know? So I, I don't know that Colby, he's not a huge puncher, but he, he can land the shots. Nobody wants to get hit by anyone. I think, like I said, Usman, his whole game has come together, and I think it's not just his striking, it's the fact that the experience, the confidence of being the champion for so long is is you know, and the momentum of him having those fights 
and winning the way he has is pretty big. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know that Colby has that more than what he did. I, I don't know because that last fight that they had was close, but Usman seemed to be a, just a tiny step ahead. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't know if Colby is going to come out and try and kick the legs of Usman a little more. You know, like uh, he's seen that that could be a, a somewhere Usman has taken a few leg kicks. And also on top of that, try and wrestle him a little bit more and try and make Usman work. Usman, they're both good good wrestlers. So that would be interesting if they turn this into more of a grappling match and you see these two good wrestlers, um, good good wrestlers, good grapplers really get into that type of game rather than see him have a kickboxing match. Because um, I do think, this is what I do think, actually, in the fight between the two of them. Anyone that puts the other one on his back and can hold him there for any significant amount of time will start to win that fight. Um, we Are Live says, Ghani looks like he has a chin on him. Um, yes, he does. Christian Lorenz says, does a part of you would like to see Colby beat Kamaru just to add more drama and a trilogy or not? Nah? I, I don't really care who wins in that fight, to be honest with you. I, I'm... I don't like. I, I think they're both fantastic fighters. I'll try to kind of leave it at that. Uh, I don't know them personally. I don't. I've seen them in real life, but I've never. I've said hello to Usman, but that that's the extent of it. Like I've never thing. So I don't like some of the stuff that Colby says, to be honest with you. But other than that, no. And I'm not a drama kind of person, so I don't. I don't need the drama. I just want to watch good fights, and I think that'd be a really good fight. Um. Super Skunk says, how does Usman get away with cheating, microdosing, or is Ali or is Abdelaziz friends with Usada? I don't know that he does cheat. We Are Live says, Usman is a CEO of EPO and TJ is his business partner. Again, I don't know this. Andiolo says, think Paddy Pimblet's going to be a big star if he goes on a heater? If he wins a bunch of fights, yes. We Are Live says, do you listen to Wayne in or Morning Combat or Anik and Florian podcasts? No. I've listened to weigh in a couple of times with um, John McCarthy and Josh Thompson. I've listened to that maybe a few times, like maybe three or four times. Um, Morning Combat, no. And Annika and Florian, no. Um, Christian Lorenz says, Fab, did you see that David Nyaka's opponent tried to bite his ear off during his first round match? No, I didn't. I haven't seen any of the Olympics. Like, I have not seen any of the Olympics at all. Um, I wanted to cover some of it, but it's just been like with the lockdown and that, and it's been insane at my house, mate. It's been pretty crazy. So no, I haven't had a chance. I have not seen anything of the Olympics. Um, Christian Lorenz says, Nyaka is in the semifinal now. Awesome. Paul Kidder says, what percentage of fighters do you think know the judging criteria? Like pretty high, pretty high. Like I, I think that, that um again, like I've said, we've spoken about this to death in this podcast, but I think a lot of people make it like more than what it is as well. Like you, you like you need to understand it's if it goes to a judge's decision, it's a subjective decision on 25, for example, if it's 25 minutes or 15 or 25 minutes of fighting, um, on a 10-point must system, which I think is hard to score 10-point must in MMA, like the way that that it is, you know. Um, 
So I, I don't know. I really don't know. Because I don't, I think um, it's hard to play that game, dude. It's really hard to play that game because you're playing, it's a, it's a subjective decision at the end of the day. And I'll tell you something else. In none of the combat sports that I've ever been involved with, in, has it ever been like a, like the perfect system? You know what I mean? Like not boxing, not kickboxing, not judo, not jiu-jitsu, not wrestling, not anything. Like the subjective, if you fucking go to a wrestling tournament, dude, you see people lose their fucking minds, dude. You see them lose their minds completely. Jiu-jitsu, same deal. I haven't seen anyone come up with a good scoring system, a good judging system for any kind of combat sport, I think, due to the level of subjectivity, you know. But you see it even in basketball, other sports, there's still problems with it. But I think the level of subjectivity in combat sports is what makes it a little bit difficult. Um, Julius Bender says, thoughts on Usman possibly going to middleweight? I think guys like Izzy and Rob would be too much for him. Maybe he beats Costa. I think is Israel and Rob are really bad matchups for him. You know, in a lot of um, in a lot of ways, just in a lot a lot of ways, just the they're bad matchups for him. Period. He's a good matchup for them. Both those guys like fighting smaller grapplers, and he's smaller than them. You know, um, he's not as big as them. So. Yeah, like, I mean, he'd get bigger, but also they're particularly fast for middleweight. He's not even particularly fast for a welterweight. The way he fights is more on his timing and on his tactics, and he he's big brother's people at welterweight. He's not going to do that at middleweight, you know? Um, so I think he's perfect for welterweight. It's kind of like GSP. GSP went up, he beat Bisping, but I don't think he would have beat Rob. I don't think he would have beat Adesanya. He wouldn't have had the same results he had at um at middleweight that he did a welterweight you know it just i i just wouldn't have happened and i've seen him in real life as well and his frame and all of that is not it's not the same you know it's not the same as uh as like rob or israel or these bigger guys that are bigger bigger middleweights um hawk says shawb just basically said the fans are dumb and don't know how to judge fights then went on to incorrectly say how fights are judged I haven't seen anything about Shaw. I will say this. A lot of people, when they're talking, they don't know what they're talking about. That is true. Um, I'm not saying all fans are dumb, but I am saying that it's one of those things where they don't know what they're saying. And a lot of the times are repeating the rhetoric that they're hearing from the media, the, from the media and the media pushing their own agenda or they don't know what they're saying. Um, so it's not. And, and having said all of that, I still disagree with some of the decisions, um, especially some of the decisions on the weekend. But like what I was saying in the podcast before, like there's a difference between a bad call or a call I don't agree with and a robbery. You want to watch a robbery, watch Roy Jones Jr. at the Olympics. You want to watch a robbery, a robbery watch Floyd Mayweather at the Olympics. Um, they're different things, man. It's not a bad call or a close call. You get a fight that goes, it's close. Re reasonably close and judges saw it different and people don't understand the judges can only judge what they saw not what they think they saw and not what they saw five minutes later and they are now one rounds down they are no longer thinking about that round they are now thinking about this round um i'm not sticking up for them because i do think that there's there's a revamping that's probably needs to happen 
not with the judges, with the whole fucking scoring system. And you'd have to have a good scoring system. You have to have a good ranking system. Otherwise, who gives a fuck if you win or lose, if there's no ranking system? So you have to have a revamp of how you're going to rank fighters, how you're going to score fighters, and probably how you're going to pay fighters. Um, Big Davy Joyce says, before the Hall fight, has Strickland ever done anything to end up on your radar, Fab? What should I know about him going in? Yeah, man. Like I said earlier in the in the podcast today, man, he's beat. He's only been beat by, like, let's talk about that now. Like, he's only been beat by a handful of guys, and those guys were very, very good. Um, or or he got hit, like in a, you know, I think he got hit by a wheel kick. Um, and that, you know, I mean, that can happen. That that kind of shit happens. But so, uh, Dos Santos hit him with a with a wheel kick in the first round. Like that that happens. You know what I mean? He lost to Usman. Uh, he lo- lost to Ponzinibbio, and that's it. That that that's that's who he's lost to. Um, who who has he beaten? Some man, Alex Garcia. When he knocked out Alex Garcia at the time, Alex Garcia was a fucking monster. He looks like Hector Lombo. Um, and like I said, when he won the split decision against Tom DeBreece, that was back in UFC uh, 199, 2016. 2016. When he when he beat Tom DeBreece, Tom DeBreece was like he was he was looking good you know what i mean he was looking really really good he's he's been plagued with knee injuries and whatnot but man tom breeze was a very very good fighter you know he had a lot of potential highly highly skilled um but he was plagued with knee problems then he he so he lost that by spinning kick then he beat taleb nordin taleb who's a technical very good technical striker jack marshman brendan allen christoph jotko so Man, he's he's very good. I don't know. I don't know that that um. I don't know that that he beats Uriah Hall necessarily because I think it's like a, a real clash of styles. But he's a very mean dude, man. Very mean dude. Very good boxing and very underrated grappling. He doesn't have big blast doubles, but he kind of hangs off you and tries to drag you to the ground. Um, he's a guy that. He's got very, like, he takes one to give one with a jab, but he's got very good knowledge and very good understanding of how to place his one-twos, you know, and not a lot of people can punch straight in MMA. And he's got very nice timing on his one-twos, you know, and and he, he doesn't load up on them and he just just places them and stings you. Not a lot of people have that down pat either. So very good fighter. Uh Hawk Hitter says, I constantly see fighters not know rules that a newbie like me knows. Aljo didn't know he would get the belt. Um, again, dude, I don't know about that. You know, I don't know. I can't say to you they don't know the rules. That I don't know. Because also, in the moment when you get hit, the way Aljo got hit, um, you might not know the rules right then. You know what I mean? He might not even know where he was properly. So I, I don't know. I don't know. No one that I've worked with didn't know the rules. You know what I mean? Um, Julius, but I'm sure there are guys that don't. Julius Bender says, Taekwondo and Judo at the Olympics have been a bit underwhelming. Um, yeah, it's hard, man, watching that. It's hard. It's hard sometimes. Super Skunk says, San Hagen is just a good counterpuncher who uses his length in that division to his advantage. To his advantage. He has nothing. He offers nothing else, I reckon. I think... Man, Sanhagen's a very good fighter, dude. He just lost a very, very close decision to TJ, who's 
one of the better bantamweights to ever do it. Um, I think he's a really good fighter. Really, really nice jab. He sits behind a nice jab, which is pretty rare in um, in MMA. Uh, Christian Lorenz says, all Aussies did not place for any medal in any combat sport. But swimming prevailed, Fab. Well, we're very good in the water, Australians, mate. Um, okay. Christian Laurent. Oh, yeah, McKee versus Pitbull. They fight on Saturday. I'm going to see if I can do a podcast tomorrow, right? That's tomorrow. I'll see if I can do a podcast for, for, um, for this. Ian Ma says, Fab, sir, how are you, man? I saw the photos of your injury. Man, when this guy stacked his bike, they are horrific. Justin Vichega says, so based off my previous question and your answer, seems like this Dagestan-style wrestling going to flood the UFC. They got a few fighters from there already with Evlov and a lot of Khabib fighters. Yes and no. There's two things. In Dagestan, right, in Dagestan, maybe, right, maybe. In Dagestan, in Central Asia, Eastern Europe, um, Iran, all of those countries, their top, top guys still want to go to wrestling or judo. You know what I mean? They still, if you ask a kid from Iran or Turkey and they they can make the Olympics and be a gold medalist in wrestling at the Olympics, they would go to the Olympics in wrestling. Do you get what I mean? So you're still going to have, because those guys, when they're at their peak, like those guys are, are are revered you know what i mean like it's a it's a big thing to make the the turkish national team or the russian national team in wrestling so and whilst they still have a chance of mate of winning a gold medal or winning a, a world a world cup or something in wrestling like that that's pretty big like you can set yourself up for life there doing that um so i think the upper echelons of that of that you you probably still won't see from the guys you know yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Now that Khabib has been, they've had a champion and they've seen how popular and how much money he can make from it, then I think um, that might change something with, with from Dagestan. But you're definitely going to see, like, there's a lot of places and you're starting to see it as well. Not just Dagestan, but, like, Turkmenistan, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, uh, Ukraine, uh, all these ex-Soviet states and, you know, Russia itself. Um, Mongolians, um, not all of these are Soviet ex-Soviet states. I'm just saying countries that have really, really good combat sports: Iran, um, Azerbaijan, uh, Georgia, and you're starting to see some of these people from the Armenia, um, Turkey, of course, uh, Bulgaria. You know, you're going to start seeing a lot more people from those regions coming through because their level of in combat sports is very very high but it's the equivalent of saying like you know like if if a kid grows up in australia and he's a australian swimming champion national champion at 18 he knows that there's a or he or she knows there's a good chance that they're going to win olympic gold right they're not gonna then like switch over and go do fucking paddleboarding. You know what I mean? It's it's not because, and that's the kind of thing for, for, with them and MMA. It's a, it's a bit of a different thing. 
you know growing up here that if you win nationals and you do really well you're you're a good you're hot shot swimmer at you know under 18 level you know that there's a very good chance that you can be world champion or you can win the gold medal in swimming which in this country is a very big thing um christian lorenz says i agree the 10 9 point system should not be for M mma we really need to change that yeah it's it's i mean but I, i'm also telling you that it's it's hard to to gauge that as well because no matter what you have you're still going to have bad calls you're still going to have bad calls and it doesn't have to be cheating it doesn't have to be a conspiracy it can just be a fuck up hold on just a sec Um, Dorian says, Fab, will you watch Bellator or McKee versus Pitbull? I have to check with my wife, to be honest with you, but I, I hope so, and we can watch it together if you guys like. Ian Mars says, did you get a look at the images I sent regarding my breaks? Yeah, I mentioned it earlier, man. Your, your, <laughs> fucking, that was horrendous, dude, your breaks. The broken collarbone and whatnot. JLA says, yeah, made it today. Hey, everyone, what's for dinner, Fab? My wife, uh, she's a very good cook, man. We had a roast chicken and she seasoned it with lemon and pepper and salt and uh, sweet potatoes. Like so then she roasted the sweet potatoes as well. And we just had that, but probably half an hour before that we had a fruit bowl. So we had like um, honey and peanut butter and a uh, whole bunch of fruits. So we had that first, probably half an hour before the meal. Um, and then we had the roast chicken and the sweet potatoes and that. So, um, that was for dinner, sir. I've already eaten, but I'll probably eat again. Jack Borman says, I don't drink much soft drink myself, but do you think Kirk's Pasito is a pound for pound great top three? I have no idea what that is, my friend. No idea. Hawk says, how much is a 10-9 system and scoring criteria being held in place by the influence of gambling? I don't know, because in Asia, they don't use that, and Asians are big on gambling too. So I don't know. I don't know that it's that. I think it's got more to do with... Uh, the uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission, and that's the same commission that runs boxing. And so I think it's got more to do with that than it has to do with gambling per se. It might have something to do with gambling with boxing, you know what I mean? Because then you can you can gamble on each round individually. So that's probably where it comes from originally with boxing. I don't know. But um, I don't think that that's the core reason as to why. Because, um, yeah, yes, you're right. You can, you can bet round to round to round. But, um, I mean, you'd figure out a way to gamble anyways, man. Christian Lorenz says, I rewatched when Uriah fought Rob in Melbourne at UFC 193. There was a moment in the fight when Uriah threw a spinning kick. Rob, Rob stepped in with a kick and took him down. Yeah, look, I spoke about it earlier. I'm not going to go through the whole thing again. But you can watch at the start of the podcast. I'll talk a, a little bit about the game plans that we had. We, we trained a lot for Uriah for that fight. Like, And again, like I said to you, man, the game plans work when they work. And when they don't work, they don't work. You know, that's why when people talk about the Israel and Rob fight, and they don't know what the fuck they're talking about, to be honest with you. Um, that's the truth of the matter, you know. Uh, if Rob had clipped him, if Rob had got through that first round, right, and he got dropped right at the buzzer of that first round. I'm not going to say how you scored that round, but if you think that Israel won that round hands down without dropping Rob, that's you. That's your, all, all I can say. I think it was a very close round up until that point. Had that not have happened, 
You know what I mean? Then you would have probably seen Rob engage more in the grappling. So, um, yeah, we the game plan worked perfectly against Uriah Hall, but at any stage, man, Uriah Hall could have knocked him out. That's the truth of the matter. Um, Rob could have knocked him out too. There was a lot happening in that fight. But, um, yeah, a lot of it was stepping in and kicking with Uriah. If you watch that fight again, a lot of it was Rob stepping in and kicking into, into Uriah's legs because Uriah would would put the weight down on that left leg to kind of spin and Rob would step in and kick to stop him from spinning. And also um, we'd, know, we'd know that that leg would be planted. Um, Martovi says, hey, Fab, looking good as always. Thank you, sir. Uh, Christian Lorenz says, was that one of your favorite fights by Rob? It was truly an impressive performance. Honestly, this is going to sound funny, but one of my fights that I was most impressed by Rob was when he fought uh, Stephen Thompson. We weren't working together yet, but that was one of the fights that really impressed me. It showed me, like, he came forward on Stephen Thompson, and he was jabbing Stephen Thompson up, and he was landing jabs, and he was landing shots, and he was a young guy against a very revered vet veteran, you know, because Stephen Thompson, well, he was still new to the UFC himself, was 58 and 0 in um in full contact karate. And Rob went in there and fought him. You know, he fought him. He got caught against a, a maybe a superior striker at the time, but he got caught and that happens, you know. But he came forward and fought, and that was one of the fights where I was like super impressed by him. And that's probably the fight that, that stays in my mind. I was like, really, really impressed. Because uh he didn't show he didn't he he he's just a born warrior, dude. He just comes and fights, you know. Um, and you can lose, man. Fight, fighters lose. You, you fucking lose fights. You lose in life. You lose in business. You lose whatever. But it's it's it, that's life. Um, yeah, I heard that Nunes, Nunes got COVID, Dorian. Super Skunk says, how can we end this confusion between fighters and ref on whether they are grabbing the fence or just putting their hand not to lose balance? Fighters often get worn with point deductions for no reason. Honestly, dude, I see it more, more fighters um, grab the cage and get away with it than they're just getting the points deducted. Um, I, I think, I think it's the other thing is sometimes in the crowd you don't you don't see it as clearly because I've, I've you only takes you only have to have grabbed the the fence like this for a second to stop a takedown. If I do that. That's it. Then the, by the time the refs warned me about it or whatever, I just said, no, no, I put my hand on it. I only have to have done that. And that, that will stop. that's enough to stop the momentum of the takedown. And so in the crowd, this is why maybe, I don't know, I don't watch any, any MMA stuff. Maybe when stuff like when Shob says like the fans don't know what they're talking about kind of stuff, it is stuff like that because that moment, you go like this, and the ref might have seen that. If he's onto it, like the ref might have seen that, but sometimes they're not, you know, they're only human. It's a hard job. But if he sees that, you go, no, I'm grabbing the fence. I was just grabbing the fence. And you do it again. And the ref goes, oh, fuck, I'm deducting a point. You might say, no, nah, look, my hand, I just touched it for a second. All you need to do to stop the momentum and change the direction of a takedown is just grab the cage, like grab it just a little bit. And that'll just stop the, the momentum of the takedown. Um, so, yeah, you only need to stick your fingers in. As soon as you do that, it's yeah, you should be warned with a point deduction. Um, 
Ian Ma says, thanks. That will be a yes to my previous question. Good man, Fab. Thanks for sharing that, eh, dude? That was insane. Big David Joy says, how do you think Dillashaw matches up now with either Yan or Sterling? I'm so interested in this division at the moment. My favorite division by far, I think. I'm really interested. I don't know. Tough fights, man. Tough fights. I think Dillashaw is very, very good. I think Peter Yan... I, I don't. I favor Peter Yan in a slugfest, to be honest with you. I think... Um, but TJ Smart, he's one of the most skilled fighters, man, to fight. He's super fucking smart with how he fights. Very good at finding ways to win. Um, Peter Yan is too, but Peter Yan, there were moments, and, and Aljamain is is such an awkward guy to fight because, you know, he'll jump and kick and do all the stuff that he does. So there were moments where he was a little bit befuddled by um, by by Sterling, like a little bit, you know, he got the flying knee and whatnot. I don't know. I don't know. I think he matches up well. I mean, he can fight him. I don't. I don't know if he beats him. If that's a, if that's a question. Um, Super Skunk says, "How many fights will it take for Darren Till to gain enough experience to beat someone like Israel Adesanya?" This is we discussed this before in another podcast. It's not. I don't think it's experience per se with Till. I think he's very experienced. I think he just there's things that have to click over for him, and I think a few of those things are with maturity. You know. Um, I'm not saying he's immature per se, but I think that that he needs, at some point, he's when he, a, a few things are going to come together. You know what I mean? Um, I think a few things are going to come together. I think um, at some point, he, you know, as his maturity, I'm trying to say this without, because I don't know him. You know what I mean? I don't think he lacks experience in the fight game. Is that's the easiest way for me to say it. Number one, I think that some of the stuff that he does, I can tell just having worked with heaps of athletes, that it's not in the ring or in the cage where he needs to mature and he needs to gain experience. I think he needs to get more experience in life, more different things, you know. Like, and sometimes these big things that happen in your life, like I know he's been stabbed, he lived in Brazil, all these things, but those things are big experiences. They're not necessarily, not always, um, in tune with maturity. You know, you can have all these experiences. I've got friends that all sorts of shit. They're, they're my age. They've got a ton of great experiences, but they're not necessarily mature. And so I think when he matures a little bit more as a professional and as, a, and as an athlete, I think that, that that's when you're going to see probably the best uh, Darren Till. Because as far as, like, can he fight an Israel Adesanya? Can he fight a Robert Whittaker? Yes, he can, and he's as skilled, and he's got all all the skills and all the everything to to fight him and to beat him. But I don't think that um, like long term fighting one guy after the other at that level, you, you honestly, man, you really have to like Israel looks and acts like he's wild and whatnot, but he's very meticulous with his planning. He's very meticulous with his training. He's he knows what he's doing, you know. He's been through it all, and he, for fighting, he's very mature. You know, he understands what he has to do. He doesn't, he doesn't fuck around. You know what I mean? Um, and so, that's a big difference there with someone like Till. And I think Till, once, once he, once that turns, I think uh, you're going to see, yeah, better, a better version of Darren Till. My opinion. Steve Boo says, G'day, Fab. Hope you and your family are well, mate. Yes, sir, we are. Thank you. Pip Dennison says, Evening, everyone. Evening, Pip. 
How are you, my friend? My Toby says, hey, Fab, I've noticed you have silky smooth skin. Do you have a skincare routine? I had a little pimple forming under my nose, but it's turned into a balloon after rubbing my nose all day. I think you're seeing things because I do not have silky smooth skin. I wish I did. But Julia says, besides Rob, which fighter has impressed you the most in defeat? What do you mean by besides Rob? Which fighter has impressed me the most in defeat? Um, I I don't know, dude, because the thing is, I don't know any fighters. Like, I don't know them personally. You know what I mean? Like, I know guys, no, I, I do know fighters. But I, just because people come out and speak nicely after a defeat, I don't know how, what really happens. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what really happens. I don't know how they've taken a loss or a win or whatnot. So, um, yeah, like, you, I, I don't know. Because there are people like, say, for example, DC, right? He's maybe, maybe DC is a, is a guy that, that's a good example. He's cried. He's done all of that stuff. But that doesn't, just, just that's just how he expresses himself. And he might then go and still work and really kick ass with his training and with his mindset. So he's impressed me. You know what I mean? But. The reality is, man, you don't know how people are. You only see what you see, you know? Um, and it depends also what metric you're using as, like, what 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 impressed you? Like, the, the, the fact that they gave a good speech after a fight? Um, that, that, is that the metric? Like, I'm not, I'm not being mean to you. I'm just saying it depends what metric. That they won the next three fights, but who'd they fight? You know what I mean? Did they – is it that um, – like, I don't know. I'm just making shit up. But it depends what metric you use as well. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of guys that talk and you people go, his mindset, his confidence, and he's blah, blah, blah. Why? Because he's the louder guy? Because he said X, Y, and Z. That's why you think he's more confident. That's why you think the mind games work, you know? And they work until they don't work. If Connor had beat Dustin, everyone would have said, it's because Connor acted like the mean Connor. Connor acted like nice Connor. That's all the only what you get to see. It's not what the actual person thinks. It's not what the actual person believes. Otherwise, everyone that pretends to be happy on Instagram would be happy. Um, Davin, Davin says, do you think it's possible to train your pain threshold? Yeah, but in what context? You know what I mean? Like, in what context? Uh Big Davey says, my Toby styles make fights. You just got to find the right skincare routine that matches up with, with, well with your skin. Stick to the game plan and execute. The results will come. Nice. Well said, Big Davey. Um, B. Johnson says, the UFC has, start, has got to start putting on better cards. Honestly, B. Johnson, I'm going to agree with you on that. I'm, I think the, the cards lately haven't been the best right now. My Toby calculated chaos. Pick your shots and then fire with 100% intensity. Don't get careless or patient. Careless. Patience, says Big Davey. Um, okay. Super Skunk says, Darren Till sometimes seems lost during his fights. Can't tell if that's frustration for not being able to execute his game plan or maybe it's just a cardio thing. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Ibrahim Ali says, Hey, coach, this is a bit old. Khabib said once that he knew Dustin always shoots for a guillotine from the right. So he put himself in that position purposefully against Poirier. Your thoughts? Um, I don't doubt it because Poirier, what the thing a lot of people don't understand, when you throw, when you put a guillotine on, right, you you you're defending. 
once you hit a guillotine, the chances of you defending the takedown, right, become very, very small. You're going, you're now committed to a guillotine. It's sometimes you can like go guillotine like in traditional guillotine I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like uh, a front choke guillotine, a 10-finger guillotine, five-finger guillotine. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your normal run-of-the-mill guillotine. Once you do that, it's hard for you to finish that that um, that standing. 90% chance you are not defending the takedown anymore. You're going to the ground. Uh, if Khabib saw that with Dustin, which is very true, that's what Dustin does. Um, then I don't know that he put himself there, but he definitely put his head in the in a position where Dustin's going to go for it. You know, um, I'm sure that if Khabib could have taken him down with no problems without putting his head in the guillotine, then he would have done it. But like I said, once somebody commits to that guillotine, they're no longer defending the takedown. Once you def once you're in like this, your arms, you, you, you're not, your hips are not moving away. So guillotine, your hips come to the person generally, right? And uh, there are some ways you can do the guillotine or front headlock chokes that you can do where your hips are away, like a Schultz choke. You can do that. Look it up, Schultz choke. Um, Matt Hughes got Almeida with it. That you can keep your hips away with. But a traditional guillotine, your hips go in. So when that when that happens, a person can finish a takedown. Now, you might finish the choke on the ground. That's a different story. But the takedown in and of itself, they got it. Now, if Khabib, I'm sure knows a thing or two of escaping a guillotine, feels that, he could hit it and start to defend the guillotine, then yeah, that's that's very likely. Um, Ian Ma says, got sidetracked there, locked in again. Julius Bender says, to rephrase my question, which fighter's performance impressed you the most in a match they lost decisively? Not necessarily the post-fight stuff. Okay, cool. Sorry, man. I, I didn't understand what you were saying. That was my fault, not, not, not yours. Um, okay. Fuck, man. Heaps of fighters, dude. When uh, I think it was DC lost the second fight to John Jones. He that was a hell of a fight, dude. Um, Rory McDonald and Robbie Lawler's those two fights. Uh, Paul Daly against Nick Diaz. It was a crazy fight. Only lasted a round, but it was a crazy fight. Um, another great crazy fight. Like, dude, there's so many of them, you know. Like, and in so many different ways. Ricardo Arone and Vanderlei Silva in Pride. That was a crazy fight. Um, uh, Julius Bender says Till versus Whitaker, for example, Till had his best performance in a loss, in my opinion. Man, Till against Masvidal, he dropped Masvidal early. You know, he was all over Masvidal, and then Masvidal knocked him out in one of the most sickening knockouts I've ever seen. So, um, I was impressed with um, Till and Gastelum too. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So. Now, there's heaps of fights, man, where dude loses, and I'm like, whoa, uh, Reyes versus John Jones. You know, arguably he won. Like, people argue that he won. And that was his her great performance. Um, For example, says Davin, for example, do you think all or most fighters are capable of reaching the mental toughness as McDonald when he fought Lawler the second time? Well, not everyone can do that. You know what I mean? Not everyone can do that. And the, there's there's a whole bunch of different things. Like if you've ever been in a situation, like most people have never been in a situation where they've had to do that, like fight through with a broken arm or or um, 
keep competing with something fucking broken or whatever. So I think as humans, we do have that capacity because it's not, not just fighting, but in other things in life, like you see people like, I, I don't know, like I've got a daughter now, I've got a, my second daughter coming through. Now I'll tell you this with people talking about fighting. My second daughter is about to be born in December, you know, and I look at my daughter now and my wife and I always talk about it. And we're like, how the fuck, how the fuck do people keep going? when they lose a child, man, like, I, dude, I, like, I'll, I'll start crying now, you know, if I think of something happening to my daughter, like, but people do, people do, people lose their kids or, you know, lose a parent or lose someone really close to them and, and they, they fucking dig deep and they keep going. And so uh, is everyone capable of that? Probably not, dude. You know what I mean? Probably not. There are some people that they're just not, and I'm not saying all oh, they're weak. This is man, it's this is a tough ask. So people might want to do it, but they can't. And there's things like what happened with with McDonald. McDonald would only need to have got hit. Like, hold on, Eli's on. Eli, how are you, mate? Good. You're you're on um you're on uh, speak. I'm doing That's a live me. podcast. Oh, uh, am I? Oh. Yeah, just say hello to everyone. Yeah. Oh, it, it came up on my... All right, yep. Yeah. That's how I got my call, obviously, to say hello to everyone. <laughs> I'll call you after. All right, no problem, mate. Cheers. See ya. Bye-bye. Right. So as much as, um, as much as you may want to keep going like Lula did, not, not everyone can. You know what I mean? Not everyone can. Not, even if you want to, not everyone can. You might be built different. And also, there came a point with McDonald where he couldn't. You know what I mean? He couldn't. So not everyone's made like that, man. Not everyone's made the same way. You see people that lose a lose a child or whatever, or and and they they can for whatever reason put it together and keep going. And you see other people that they never they can never put it back together again, you know. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I don't know how people do it. There was a girl, my mate, my mate is a nurse. And there was a girl that had a she was in a car accident, right? In a in a Tarago. I don't know if the Taragos are the same name in the US. It's a van, like an eight-seater van or whatever it is, seven-seater, eight-seater. And it was her, her parents, her two two or three siblings, and the dog. And everybody in the car died except her. She just got knocked out. They brought her in. And when she woke up, she was like 16, 17. When she woke up, no family, gone. Whole family, mom, dad, siblings, everything. How the fuck do you go on from that? I don't know. You know, it's it's insane. Um, Davin says, although he lost, he managed to fight through a monstrous amount of damage and also seemed to get the upper hand in some instances. Yeah, the, the thing with that fight with Lawler is like between the two of them, Lawler, Lawler hit. This is why when you see, um, you know, when they say significant strikes, et cetera, et cetera, when Lawler would hit uh, McDonald and it would land, like you could see that it hurt McDonald. Like you could see him like wince, you know what I mean? Because, and McDonald did everything right in that game plan. He did everything right to win, you know, and he was looking good, but it always looked like Lawler was going to crack him, you know, like. If for me, anyways, watching that fight, I wish I could have done a commentary for that one live. They were fighting well. 
but the shots that Lula landed were fucking like you could see him like like hurt him, you know. Um, so he was looking good at a lot of places in that fight, but at that time it was just Lula's time, dude. He had he had met that technical optimum of experience, strength, experience, physical strength, confidence, etc., 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 and it was just his time, man. And the shots he landed really hurt Rory. I honestly don't really see Rory being the same, same ever since that fight. Ian Ma says, people feel pain in different ways. I was fine and could manage the pain no problem. Once I got my breath back, breaks burn and make you feel a bit queasy. Um, man, I've had some bad injuries, dude, in, in bad situations where, um, and I may tell you the story one day, but yeah, I've broken stuff in, in situations where if I had sold the story, people would go, no, you didn't. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I did. You know? And so I can understand people breaking bones and going, keep going, you know? Like, I can understand that. Um, yeah, so I'm just saying, like, I think Ian said it perfectly right. People feel stuff differently, man. Um, it's very, very hard to gauge. And the metric you're using is dif is different, you know, because, like, that doesn't mean that they can handle other things well, you know? That doesn't mean that, like, yeah, that you'd handle stuff well. Or just because people aren't crying or they're not upset, it doesn't mean that they're not internalizing what they're feeling and that the inside is in turmoil. But on the outside, they're fine and they can hold the conversation properly and they're laughing and joking. You don't know. It's very hard to gauge that. Um Super Skunk says, Coach, are you taking the vax or not? Fucking interesting you should say that. I took the vaccine yesterday. And I don't think, yeah, Ian Ma says, I don't think Antipodians will be given a choice. We are not. I, like, we we are basically being told to do it. You know what I mean? And uh, I went yesterday to Balambi. And if anyone knows Balambi, it is the jewel of the South Coast. It's not the jewel of the South Coast, by the way. Um, and it's actually going to be a nice place. It is a nice place, a beautiful beach. I think one of the best beaches, but it's a bit rough, a bit of a rough area. Anyways, I went there. I don't know if they gave me Pfizer or if they just injected me with cordial. I don't fucking know. But um, when they gave it to me, as my luck would have it, the they put the needle in, the vial, the syringe thing, it opened, they missed me, the Pfizer went everywhere, and the needle got stuck in my arm. This was yesterday. And so I was stuck there with the needle in my arm and uh, they fucking pulled the need, had to pull the needle out. And yeah, that was my experience. And they had to give me a new one. Um, just stopping in to say hi, um, says the Hungarian hustler. Hello, hustler. Uh, Ian Ma says, I look after my dad who is 84 and I know we have limited time. So I just try to make him as comfortable and happy as possible. Losing a kid would be horrible. That's Ian Ma. Ian Ma, my dad's 81. And I see my dad. Now it's killing me because I don't see my dad. Um, if, like I'd see my mum and dad maybe they live maybe half an hour away from me they they live with my sister my brother-in-law and my um my niece got like a big two-story house and they live there and I will see my parents probably three to five times a week and spend a lot of time with my folks and he's 81 you know he's at, no 82 he's 82 years old now so yeah it's a, it's that kind of thing you know and that now this is pretty hard because being that he's that old um, and, you know, you try and spend as much time as you can. 
but you know there's less Tom in front of him than behind, you know. So it's it's tough. And now that I can't see him, it's 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 pretty hard. So man, a good on you to look after your dad and spend as much time as you can because fuck, it can be any time. So good on you. Randy T says, awesome content, Fab. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. Guys, sorry, I'll keep forgetting to do this because I'm a mess. Um, if you haven't already, please like and subscribe and hit the notification bell. Um, that thing that I put always that I put up there is uh, askcoachfab.com is a little business that I have. Um, I always worked in in uh, athlete mentoring, worked with athletes. I was a TAFE teacher. I was working careers for sport and fitness. So it's a little um, uh, business that I have. I used to just do it by word of mouth, and then I just because I can't get out in the community now, I just made it online. So it's a little thing that I do. So if you want to check it out, great. Um, uh, Julius Bender says a bit of a strange one compared to before fighters aren't really fighting through severe injuries and nowadays heavy sparring is discouraged is a tough guy mentality disappearing from fighting uh, compared to before fighters aren't really fighting through severe injuries dude they are I can tell you they are fighting through severe injuries because dudes are still breaking their hands dude people are still fighting through all sorts of shit broken eye sockets I'd say the injuries are probably even more severe because the guy's they're becoming better athletes and they um just hit harder do everything harder faster bigger stronger you know um i think the heavy sparring is due to more education and people understand that you know they're getting their fucking heads punched in in the at, at training is not is not necessary you know it's kind of stupid um sorry just one sec baby Um, yeah, so, so it's just more education. People understand, like, you can't have your best fights outside of the cage. Like I've heard people say, I think Sean Strickland was saying that he's had his best fights outside of the cage. And, and like, it's, that's not good, especially for people that are, I think when you're a young guy coming through, like it's, it's important. You, you need to find out before you step in there, you need to find out, is this shit for me or not? You know, but. Then the reality is sparring and a real fight are completely different. They're, they're not the energy systems are the same, but it's it's different, dude. It's so different. That's why, you know, everyone was talking about the TJ Dillashaw thing with Corey, and everyone was saying, blah, 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 blah. They've seen something. And I, and I was saying to his man, it does that doesn't mean shit. That doesn't mean anything. And lo and behold, no matter by which metric you use, Sanhagen did not paste him. You know what I mean? Maybe you can say TJ Dillashaw didn't deserve to win. That's fine. But he didn't paste him. You know what I mean? And you could, in training, he might paste him nine out of 10 times, but he didn't. He in When it counted, it didn't. He didn't. And that's all that matters. Um, so that heavy sparring and all that shit, good when you're young. It's good. Like maybe you need to do it two, three times to find out. You don't even need to do it two or three times. You just have to do it the once and you'll know if it's not for you. Um, and I'll tell you right now, I know this because it's not for me, man. Because I was like, fuck this. I'm not doing this shit. Like, and as an athlete, athletically, I was fine. That that wasn't the problem. But I just didn't want to get hit in the fucking head. You know what I mean? Like, and whatever that means, you shouldn't be fighting, dude. If you if that's what you're going through your mind, going, nah, I'm not doing this, I'm not gonna then don't do it, you know? And uh, with any guys that I've looked after, I've always tried to keep the sparring. With with a point, 
it has to have a point and it has to have a purpose and it has to be as specific to the fight as possible. So when you when you spar, if you're fighting three fives, you know, you might spar once a week and spar three fives, you know, and that's it, you know. And um if you're gonna fight five fives, you might fight five, you might spar five fives and you spar in the closest conditions to fighting in an octagon, if you can, if not simulate it to be an octagon in a in a gym where not other people are sparring it's just you and another person and a whole bunch of people watching and it changes the dynamics of how you train you know rather than a lot of the times you see guys spar twice three times a week and there's a gym full of guys and you just rotate from one person to another and it's not fucking real because i might have taken it easy with this guy because i know i'm going to spar that guy next so and it's not it's just a mess it's not real that's not even close to a real fight when you do it like the way I just explained it, that's a close. That's close to a real fight, and you're going to train those energy systems, and you're going to train your decision making as close to a fight as you possibly can. You don't want to do that too much, dude. You want to do more fitness. Go do some road runs. Go more wrestling. Do do more jujitsu rounds. Compete in wrestling. Compete in jujitsu. When you do those things, you you you're also training your your body to react at uh, the stresses of competition. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, um, yeah, it's not disappearing, dude. The guys are just as tough. Yeah. So hopefully that answered that question. Matt Newman says, Robbie back then hit like a truck. I remember seeing an interview with Rory and he said he felt his facial structure changing from punches. That's another thing, dude. When you're in there, adrenaline covers everything, right? You're in there and you're fighting, da, 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 and you don't feel it. There's a moment, I feel sorry for Rory, when you feel that, and I can almost see it in him, you know, after that fight. Like you're reminded of your own mortality. There's a there's a point where it cuts through the adrenaline. You've been fighting now for 15 minutes, whatever. The adrenaline's gone, 20 minutes. You're feeling the shots, and then you're feeling shit break, you know? You're feeling shit break in your face, or you're feeling something going wrong in your face, which... um puts a whole new perspective on what you're doing. It's it's you're not covered by adrenaline more, anymore. You're feeling the you're feeling not only pain, but you're feeling damage, man. It's it's something that I can't explain unless you like I've got I've got bad knees. You know how I said to you I've got bad knees? If I roll with someone, I can feel damage. I don't feel just pain. I feel damage occurring to my body. It's a different thing. That's why I don't roll anymore. But years ago, probably now I'm talking about 15 years ago, I was rolling with someone once and the guy was a white belt, but I had a fracture here in my cheek. I'd been sparring MMA. Um, what's the guy's name? Normie Daigirl. If Normie Daigirl, shout out to you. I was sparring my mate. He, he, he's had a few fights in Australia. I think he even won an Australian title. I was sparring him and he'd kneed me in the face and broke my, um, my uh, like a bone here. And I didn't know that it was, that it was um, broken. But I could just feel pain. Anyways, when I was rolling with with a guy, like two three days later, and he was he was a white belt. He wasn't thing, and he put like a lapel the lapel across me, and it wasn't like he didn't know how to choke me or anything. It wasn't anywhere near my neck or whatever. But when he pushed in with the like he he pulled the lapel and the lapel pushed my face in, and I felt my bones go because the the structure was compromised, and in that moment. I didn't, I just went, ah, let's tap, tap, let go. In that moment, dude, you don't think about anything 
it just puts a whole different perspective on your your like your face is going to get broken. You're not going to look the same. You're not going to be the same ever again. And to feel that in a fucking fight in front of millions of people where you can't just, he couldn't do what I did. I just went, ah, fuck, let me go. And he let me go. He couldn't do that and just walk out. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a different different animal, man. I, I feel sorry for him. Eli says, sorry for interrupting, guys. I thought he was going to join in, actually. Big Davey says, God bless you both. And may he grant you endless strength though you have displayed that already thank you that's awesome man big davy for saying that ian ma says at skunk i think the end game will be no one having a choice they'll be vaccinating your food and pets next probably um randy t says are most fighters happy drunks when they get their drink on probably not mate probably not i would say to you um that um no, <laughs> I would say to you, no, no, they're not. Uh, Big Davey Joyce says, tell the story for broken bones and keep going or something. I will. When we get to 50,000 subscribers, I promise you, I'll tell the story. But I've got to get to 50,000. RT says, Brian Barberino had four liters of blood in his abdominal cavity from ruptured arteries after taking a kick inspiring. He talked about it in the media interview yesterday. If he had four liters of blood, dude, he'd be fucking dead. Like, which I'm not saying anything, like he'd be all but dead. That's pretty crazy. Handsome Devil says, I'm in a, I'm about to go for a Pfizer round two in about an hour. What a coincidence. Good luck, brother. Good luck. Um, Ian Ma says, my friend developed Bell's palsy from the second AZ shot. Feel horrible for him. How is he now, man? I've had a few friends with Bell's palsy, man. I feel for him, man. I really do. Greatest Adventurer says, this is a bit random, but if you will, if you like reading good detective mystery books, read The Zebra Striped Hearse. Just finished it, couldn't put it down. Thank you, sir. I appreciate good book recommendations. Ian Ma says, all through lockdown, I looked after him. It hasn't affected us much. No jabs, no self-isolation, no masks, and definitely no hand sanitizer stations. We have been fine, eat well, and stay healthy. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Super Skunk says, sorry. But I don't trust Bill Gates neither. I like neither do I like needles. Not for me. Fair enough. Arthur Sheen says, "Hey Fab, hope you're doing well. Given Sid's a mess right now, fuck it is, eh? I think they had the military in Southwest Sydney. I'm wondering. I'm a massive Volk and Rob fan. Would love to know how you see both their next matchups playing out. Honestly, thanks, mate. Um, I'll talk about Rob and Israel closer to Rob and Israel because I'll probably give a little bit more insight into what I see." each of them doing and I, I haven't got anything to do with any camps um and ortega and and thing as well i'll probably get talk a little bit closer to the fight just because i know volks as well a little bit um i think rob and israel is a tough fight a tough matchup i don't think it goes the distance i think rob wins but i think rob wins because i just think rob wins um if i had to pick like skill wise like straight down the middle, I can't because I think they both have too many ways to to win. You know what I mean? Um, they're both big guys that hit hard. They're both good strikers. Um, you know, and they're both coming to fight. They're both dudes that, that, that fight. So I don't think it goes a distance just because of the way they match up. I think they both got, both hit hard, man. And there's a clash of styles. That's what the other thing that makes it, Thing there, there's a bit of a clash of styles there. 
which I'll talk about closer to the fights. Um, Volks and Ortega, I think Volks is underrated with his striking and his fight IQ. I don't think people understand how clever he is. I don't think people understand how strong he is. I don't think people... Dude, I did about eight weeks of work with him, you know, earlier in the year. I think it was earlier this year. But I did about eight weeks of work with him. Not not a lot. He's got his own team. He's got a fantastic team of people around him and that. But, but he's he's like a middleweight, but they just chop the middleweight's elbows off and and knees off. You know, his his forearms are like like that thick, dude. His quads are like he's like walking around on pot plants. You know, he's a you you can't train that until you you're in there with someone like that. You know, and on top of which, he's not just big and strong. He's big and strong and super fit and highly skilled, but he's super strong for super strong. And that's just from me being around him, dude. Like he's not, and I'm sure Ortega's big and Ortega's got his own situation and his own jujitsu's world class. I don't think Volkanovski's going to go and get on the ground and roll around with with Ortega. I don't think that's going to be the game plan, my opinion. Um, but I think strike what striking it's like Volkanovski's. I, I think a fair bit better striker than Ortega. Same way, I think Ortega's a lot better on the ground if they were to have a jiu-jitsu match. But I think it's going to be hard for Ortega to get that. Does he, Ortega doesn't really go for for takedowns. So not in the traditional double legs and whatnot. I just see Alex, I think it being tight, you know, close, bit of a chess match, three rounds, something like that, and then Ortega not being able to keep up with Alex. That's no disrespect to Ortega. That's just how I, how I see it. Alex, another guy, is a diesel engine. Seaford says, hey, folks. Yeah, sorry. And that's as close, like, I'll talk about it more. With Alec, with Rob and, and Israel, I, I see Rob winning. I do see Rob winning. I think they're both highly skilled, man. They're just, it's an absolute treat to watch people of that level fight. You know, people, like, if you just watch and go, oh, you're going to look good. Well, then fuck, then I don't know what you're watching, you know. Um, but if you like watching guys, like high level, the top end fight, then yeah, those that's a treat. Rob and Israel is an absolute treat. You see the difference between them and everyone else at middleweight, and the two of them fight. Um, the outcome's the outcome, dude. The outcome's the outcome. One of them's going to lose, but um, watching people of that level fight is is amazing, and it saddens me when people reduce that to oh, you got knocked out because he was running in with overhand rights. Like fuck, if that's how you saw the fight, dude, I don't know, dude. Like. I can't help you. You know what I mean? The same as when people go, um, uh, Sanhagen bashed T D Dillashaw, just smashed him, blah, blah, blah. And like, dude, what, how, how do you say, how did you say that? You can tell me, uh, I think Israel's going to beat Rob. I, okay, cool. I, I get that. I, I fully understand why. I mean, he already did it once. Israel looks fantastic, highly skilled, good camp, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, I understand that. I, I, I can't argue that with you. And nor would I want to. I think that's right. You know, he can. Will he? Who knows? If you can say to me, Sanhagen won against Dillashaw, I'd be like, yeah, I get I get that. There's there's a definitely a, a, you know, you can say that he won, like it was a close fight. But if you saw that Sanhagen just bashed Dillashaw and Dillashaw was nothing more than a punching bag, like some people have said, then I don't know. I can't help you, dude. To me, watching two guys of that level at the bantamweights, Sanhagen and Dillashaw fighting, all the controversy aside, but watching that chess match occur, Fuck, dude. 
I'm I'm impressed. Uh, Ian Ma says I thought it was so, so okay. Ian Ma says I thought it was similar to Usman Masvidal one without the foot stops. Depends on how you score control. Like I've said before, um, a lot you don't. It's it's damage, right? And this I've spoken to uh, McCarthy. You know what I mean? We've been at the back. Called him over. I said, "Can you tell me what the criteria is?" Blah 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 blah. I do that all the time. You know, the, not only do I do it, the ref comes in and tells you, "This is what I'm looking for." You know, he tells you this. So the control thing, it's not their scoring control, but two things have got to happen. If you push someone up against a cage and they can't, they can't get off, and you're landing leg shots, you're landing knees you're landing stuff, then you are doing damage. They're not doing damage. You're doing damage. But the biggest thing that that does from a tactical perspective, if you've got five minutes, let's uh, let's talk about this fight on the weekend. I said this earlier. Strickland versus Hall. You've got five minutes, right, in a round. And Hall is wants to be in the open and he wants to have time to spin and he wants to be able to time you coming in, all of that. When you push him against the cage, if you hold him there for two minutes, even if they're not scoring it for you, they're not scoring it for you. That only leaves three minutes for him to work. In those three minutes, it could be very even because he hasn't got that extra time to work. You could have landed some shots. He could have landed some shots. Maybe you get off with a better shot on him. And the refs, by a bee's dick, give it to you. You know, give it to Sean. Um, that's how it happens. Not necessarily do they takedowns or um, you holding the guy against the cage. That doesn't get the score. You get what I mean? Um, that's from the horse's mouth, dude. Like, if you get a takedown, you're only changing the the thing. Like, you're the plane. You're standing up, now you're, you're down. Thing is, when you do take someone down, generally, you're going to have landed some shots. Are they going to be crushing, damaging shots? Maybe not, but you are landing some shots, generally, from the top. Generally. Um, and it doesn't look good on the judge's eyes if you're on your back getting hit. If you're hitting someone. Uh, we Are Live says, like the video, you lazy basement dwellers. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Please like and subscribe and hit the notification bell, people. Arthur Sheen says, also, Fab, what do you make of Tui Vasa's position you see at the moment? Seems like they are paving the way for him to get close to the top with a fight lined up with Walt Harris so soon. Um, Yeah, man. I I, I think that Tui Vasa, I've watched him since he was a kid. And I think he's a dangerous, dangerous man. And depends on how they fight. Depends on who he fights and how they fight. Like, I see him beating Walt Harris, to be honest with you. I saw him beating Greg Hardy. Um, I think there are some tough matchups for him, the upper echelons of that division, though. Beetlejuice says, hey, Fabski, great point about sparring. What about brain trauma from sparring? I'm not looking to fight in the amateurs, but I love sparring, but also afraid of brain trauma. Anytime your brain's this big, right? It sits in the in your skull. Anytime, doesn't have to be inspiring. Anytime your brain shakes and hits the walls of your of your skull, you're getting brain trauma. You know, you're getting damage. You're getting a little bruising. You're getting, you know, different types of damage. Um, watch the two podcasts that we did here. We did one with Willie Tonga, who played rugby league for Australia, and you can just look it up on thing. Willie Tonga at Grange TV, and he talks about it. Man, it's real fucking sad, dude. Dude's like bit younger than me probably 35 36 and he talks about how he's just 
like losing his mind a little bit, you know, and he's like doesn't know where he is sometimes, wakes up, doesn't know where he is, freaks out, has bad, like, you know, James Tahuna, same thing. He was talking about how he had lesions in his brain and he had to stop fighting. That's why he stopped fighting. Um, both of the boys were on the podcast separately and they both talk about that. And James took some shots inspiring, dude. Willie said he'd been knocked out more than 70 times in um, rugby league. Pretty fucking crazy. So, yeah, just be careful, man. If you don't want to fight, honestly, I wouldn't spar. That's just me. If you don't want to fight, I wouldn't spar. Um, I think sparring is super, extremely dangerous. I'm not a big fan, of, and, and even of fighting, I'm not a big fan of people fighting just for fun. You know, and people go, I want to fight for the experience. I want to fight for this. I, I think, dude, you can go and have a wrestling match. You can have a jiu-jitsu match. There's so many things you can do, but the trauma that you're copying and the trauma that you're giving someone else for shits and giggles is just, I'm not a fan of it, you know? Um, yeah. Stainless Stove says, hey, Fab, have you watched Avatar The Last Airbender? You look like an older Ang. I'm referencing the baldness, but it's okay. No homo hot layers. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate that. I appreciate you uh, supporting the channel, man. It's awesome. So thank you so much. Um, Julius Bender says, definitely answered my question. Thanks, Fab. By a tough guy mentality, I meant the silly attitude that more pain always equals more improvement. Tremendous respect to the fighters. It doesn't. You know, like, one of the things, it's fucking funny you say that, man, because I'm talking to people at the moment now. Um, and it's easy, right? Anyone can come in and train hard one or two sessions. That's easy. That's not hard, you know? Um, especially the fact that most of these guys are, uh, by guys, I mean girls as well, are physical outliers, you know? So they can train hard and that it's pretty fucking easy. It's not that hard. What is hard is doing all the things right, you know, is doing the small sessions right, doing the stretching, doing uh, getting to bed on time, not drinking alcohol, eating correctly. They're the things that are going to make you jump. And they're the things that some guys that I say when I talk about maturity or whatever, I think when they get those things right, they just fucking jump, dude. They just jump. Because that's, dude, it's like, um, you know, it's like, it's like anyone, you're not a dad just because you buy your daughter a big present and then you don't see her the rest of the fucking year. Like that's not that's not hard. I mean, it's yeah, you're still a dad. I'm not I shouldn't insult people. I'm not judging. I don't know people's situations, but that's not fucking hard. Anyone can do that. Anyone with a credit card can go and buy a big fucking rocking horse, and that's it. It's not hard. What is hard is like being there all the time, changing the nappies all the time. Blah 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 blah. Whatever it is, whatever your version. I don't want to sit here and like be sound like I'm judgmental on people's situations because that's not what I'm trying to my, my point across. But what I'm saying is it's easy to do the big things. It's easy for me to go buy a fucking rocking horse and net not see my daughter for not spend time with her. It's hard for me, you know, to day in, day out, you know, change the nappies, fucking take her for walks, read books, blah, blah, and you do it all day. And no matter how tired you are, that's what's hard. And so you don't have to train super hard, but you do have to train smart. And that's what's really hard, man. That's what's hard. It's hard to to eat right, to hit the sessions, to rest when you should be resting to stay at home and watch a movie instead of going out to a nightclub because you know that that's going to affect your recovery it's hard we are live says did you just use did you used to compete in combat sports fab or just train and coach i mainly train and coach but have competed in combat sports and i was never very good i was never um i was never great at, 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 at the competition 
Um, I think a big thing as well, like I played basketball whilst growing up while, while I did martial arts as well, and I was better at basketball than I was at um, combat sports. So I never, I never, whilst I did it my whole life and I competed in like Taekwondo and a few other things and this and that, um, my, my, um, my mindset was always, I thought, yeah, I'll play basketball, blah, blah, blah. But I broke one of my hands um, when I was a kid, and when I was about 17. So only one of my hands works. And so um, I I never really um, thought about that. I always thought I'd play basketball, you know. And then when I, when I broke my hands, I started doing athletics, and that led me to do triathlons and that. So whilst I always compete, I always trained and still competed in in martial arts. It was always just um, something for me to do, kind of thing. And it wasn't until I got a little bit older and I'd been wrestling in that. And by happenstance, I thought, you know, I started training a little bit more. And then the coach, our coach that we had at the time, um, passed away. And then it was a bit in disarray. And then we got a new coach, and he was coaching. And then he got a job in Melbourne, and he moved to Melbourne. And then everyone was like, "Fuck, what are we going to do?" Da da da. And I kind of just started coaching from there and i was about i was young i was about 23 something like 23 24 um we needed to have a coach the group of guys that we had and so i started coaching and yeah that's that's more how how it happened you know like but i already my knees were already starting to to go by then and so i I was always going to be limited to how far i was going to go as an as an athlete um Cooper Patton says, I'll ankle pick you, Coach Fab. I'll be surprised if you couldn't. Wouldn't be much of a thing. You barely can stand on one of my legs. My daughter could give me a good push. Um, Ian Ma says, bringing back vivid memories of my collarbone and ribs crunching around. Had to get the old Scott helmet out to look up with MIPS membrane all split. Jesus Christ. Connor Stephen says, Volker going to go go Plata or Tega, maybe. Ian Ma says, I think he's slowly getting the feeling and movement back in his face. In his face. Thank goodness it doesn't appear to be permanent. Jesus. Arthur Sheen says, totally agree with your assessment on Rob and Volk. Thanks, Fab. Looking forward to your breakdown. Thank you, mate. Randy T says, as a fellow Aussie, are you mates with Mick Maynard? I'm not Mick mates with Mick. I've kind of dealt with him a little bit, but I, I'm not I'm not like, I don't know him or friends with him. Um, Beetlejuice says, well said. I'll check out those podcasts. Yeah. Makes sense giving each other trauma for shits and giggles. I will look into BJJ. Sounds safer somewhat. But dude, you can box. You can hit the. I think boxing is really good, especially if you're if you're getting older. Boxing is probably the best thing you can do. Um, it's not that hard on your knees or the rest. Of the, blah 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 blah. Jiu-jitsu and wrestling, grappling, man, it's hard on your body, but not trauma on your brain. But um. But the sparring, dude. Honestly, it's. It's it's dangerous, dude. It's fucking dangerous. Joe Schmo says, "Evening, gents." Ian Ma says. See so many folks on e-bikes and scooters with no helmets. Generally, the folks with no helmets are the ones most likely to need one. True that. Beetle just, hey, random question. How did you get Axel Whitehead on the podcast? Um, Through Titus. Through Titus. He's a champion, Axel. I like him. Connor Stevens says, do you follow basketball much? If so, what's your team? I don't follow much, man. I don't really have time. Like I, I, I only have time to watch the UFC and some other uh, fight combat sports. And the rest of the time, dude, I'm trying to do my masters. I'm got a little baby girl trying to work. It's it's very hard. So I don't really follow the basketball. I'd like to follow basketball. I follow Luka Doncic a little bit. I like his story. 
I like the way he plays. Uh, so Mavericks, maybe. Uh, yeah. Nicholas Bright says, hey, Fab, just want to say I appreciate you giving us a slice of your life and giving out sagely advice. Thank you, sir. Thank you, my friend. Um, Joe Schmo says, how bad is your hand now? No, nah, it doesn't. Like, I can make a fist. Like, you wouldn't know. Like, I just can't move these fingers properly. And some days are better than others. Some days, like, I get bad pins and needles. I've got, like, a, like a, I don't know if you can see this scar. It runs all the way down my, my goes all the way down my arm. Um, yeah, it's all right. Like, I don't, it doesn't affect me. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, it's, it, it affected me for basketball because, like, um, you know, one hand, like, I wasn't, like, that good that I was going to play and get a scholarship using just one hand. So, you know, I was fucking hard out just trying to play with two hands. Um, Beetlejuice says, how do you find managing your family daughter work at Masters? At the moment, I'm not really working as much because of the lockdown. So all the work that I do, all the kind of work that I do has been really, really like out. Um, so I just chipping away at the Masters um, and just managing the family as much as we can. We put that in, in perspective, we do that the most we can. And we don't have like a, a massively lavish lifestyle where we spend money that we don't have, you know? The only thing we really spend money on is like uh, food and food for the dog. That's it. You know what I mean? Or stuff for the baby. But that that's it. We don't really like, you know, do anything else where we spend crazy amounts of money. Um, Connor Stevens says, Doncic is spectacular. He's doing unheard of things in the Olympics right now. Yeah, I know. I haven't been able to watch him play. I want to watch him play. When do they play, the Slovenians? Um, Big Joy says, I'm going to make another 20,000 20, accounts and subscribe just to hear that story. I promise you, it'll be worth it, my friend. I promise you. Um, Ian Ma says, Connor unknown as in nobody watching. Um, unheard of. Boys and girls, thank you so much for everything, man. I really appreciate it. I'm going to see, stay tuned because I'm going to see if I can um, advertise to do the Bellator card this weekend. I'd love to do it. Um, I've got to check it out and see if I can. But let me know if you guys are going to watch it. Put the comments on. When uh, when the advertisement comes up, it'll come up on your um, on your feed there. So, guys, thank you so much. I really love doing it. I really appreciate you guys so much. Um, check out the Ask Coach Fab website. You don't have to uh, buy anything or anything. You just have to have a look. Ren Witchell says, I'm 48 and spar twice weekly, body and shoulder, no headshots, big gloves and 10% kicks, BJJ's hard on your body, joints get wrecked, love your podcast and insights, love from NZ. My brother, Ren, you got the right idea for the sparring, I think, you know? And there's heaps of stuff, Beetlejuice, you can do, like that thing that Ren was talking about. Um, you can just move around, like shadow boxing with a partner where you're just, just touching each other, wearing no gloves and just like just moving like this. You're not throwing big punches. You're just kind of timing stuff with the, with closed fist. I find it's a really good workout and pretty close to it. Um, Beetlejuice says, you're the man, Fab. Have a great weekend. Thank you, sir. Jake Cake says, please, Fab, brother, reach out to Rob. He doesn't know it yet, but he needs you in his corner, Fab Asanya. Jake, I appreciate that, sir. Rob appreciates it. We all appreciate it. But it's done, mate. It's been, it's been almost two years. We've all moved in separate directions. I want you to move on and I want you to be strong. And Rob will be just fine, mate. Rob is a fucking monster, a born killer, you know? Um, so he's going to be fine, mate. He's going to be fine. 
Um, so guys, I have to go, man. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Take care.